All right, so today, folks, uh, we are bringing in Mike Houston, CEO Lee Dixon from Orange is the New Black. Pete and I are just gonna give him, uh, just gonna get into some conversation with him about basic stuff. You know, nothing heavy, nothing, heavy. <laughs> <laughs> nothing heady. We're just gonna talk simply about the comical enjoyment of the of women's correctional facilities in the prison system. <laughs> <laughs> with that said. Hit the music. I'm your freak of the week. All right, Mike. What's up? You've been busy lately, man. They started shooting again? Yeah, we started uh, shooting back at the beginning of the month. Um, yeah, and I've been doing a little bit here and there uh, since then, yeah. Yeah, the, what made this come to mind is I've been binge-watching the hell out of the show. I finished all six seasons. You're on the. You're filming the seventh right now, right? Of yeah. Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Yeah. Pete has not gotten into. I'm telling Pete, he needs to watch it. He got Don't me on Westworld. Don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, you know, it, it's got its following, a pretty big following, uh, and and we we welcome more and more every day. So, if you haven't started yet, there are there's plenty of time, plenty of seasons to get into. Nice. I've yeah. only ever heard amazing things about it. I mean, I've I've never heard someone say that they don't love it. Everybody who talks about it loves it. So. It's a lot of fun, man. It's a fun show. Like, I've, I've told you this, Mike. Like, I watched it, like, one or two episodes a long time ago and just never got back on. And then I was like, I got a whole summer off, like, um, doing stuff. I had a lot of free time. Let me see what the rest of the series is like. And I didn't stop. It just, like, started consuming things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's oh. been the most fun for you in terms of, of filming the show? Like, what's the most fun aspect in, in that regard? Um... You know, it, it started out being able just to work with a bunch of actors that I have known and watched for a long time. And so it's always a, an awesome opportunity when you get to go work with people that you, you've admired. Yeah. That way. And then as it's continued on, just the progression that they've given my character in the show. Uh, and, and to Michael's point, season six, there's, <laughs> there's you know, a very specific track that I get to go on. Um, that was just a lot of fun because a lot of times we would shoot most of the stuff I would do would be, you know, at this, you know, on like in location, uh, where the prison is, whereas mm -hmm. season six, I got to go away from that, that area and, and go do some different stuff. And so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, and now starting in season seven, I think it, it just kind of culminates back to, I just love working with this group of actors like oh wow it's just fun to go to work yeah oh my gosh and yeah. you've done this ah. a lot yeah <laughs> yeah how does this rank in terms of uh, other other projects that you've been part of man this is in the top i mean it's i i'd probably put it number one um because um although it's hard it's such a it's such a subjective thing for me because each project in itself has its own um benefits and things that like I take away from it so but it's definitely in the top because one it was the the real the first real thing that I got to do consistently okay it's a recurring character um and then two it's also the the, the opportunity that's given me a chance to grow as a character as an actor like giving me more stuff to to you know be able to do you know more of the process but like you know, like when I worked on the show Sneaky Pete on Amazon, that was in the top because I got to work with this incredible cast of people, including Brian Cranston, and oh wow, being able to work with him and Giovanna Ribisi and Catherine Widra, like these or Carolina Widra, sorry, uh, are are people that like I just can't get enough of watching. Yeah. You know, whenever I get a chance to work with those people, it definitely puts it in the top. But but Orange has been always something that that I attribute, mm. you know, changing my life really. Ah, oh, that's so wild. 
Yeah. You're also on Boardwalk too, Boardwalk Empire, yeah, right? Boardwalk Empire is another one. You know, you get up there, and, and I got to, you know, that was an amazing experience because you get to dress up and and you know go back to the 30s and 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 live this life and this language and this place that is what's cool about that is that it makes it very easy uh if you're an actor like to drop in because they're you know they're behind the scenes crew is so good at creating this world that you just you're just there and that was an amazing experience working with Michael Shannon and then man watching him work and he's he's another guy that like I just can't he's get intense him. right and uh, he's just a lovely actor like he just he, he goes in and you he forces you as an actor to go in with him you know like you don't get a you don't get time off you know huh. it's, it's important to to be in the moment and present and and it what it does is it gives you what we see you know, in the final result, which is just fully realized stuff. Oh my God. It's just a sea of like, like a sea of like addictive shows. Like, like they've had to, like I've noticed TV has had to start changing the way they film shows because these things are all like binged watch shows. So like, like if you watch Orange, you get the feeling that it was like they're filming it knowing in mind that people are going to consistently keep watching it back to back. Right. Because like, yeah, the episode does end, but it doesn't treat you like your memory is short. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right about that, yeah. Yeah, so, like, things, you get, like, callbacks to episodes right before it real quick. I think Netflix and this, sh- well, whoever, the people behind this show are really good with knowing their audience. You know? Well, sure, and I think, like, it comes down also to the creator and the writers and Genji Cohen, who created the show, um, who her, you know, in the before Orange, you know, she was behind the show Weeds. And so, yeah. you know, she's got that, that mark and, and, you know, knowing these people. And then she, she, you know, she developed the show based on a memoir from this woman named uh, Piper, Piper uh, yeah. Herman, who the, the lead character is, is based on. Um, and and creating that world and then and then the tone of it and then when they bring in the the writers each season um specifically one through four were this you know pretty much the same writers uh so they really had a sense of place and time and tone and and then the writers that have come in since then are fully aware of of that world and create that tone as well so you're right like it is written in a way that allows for that binge mentality to really kind of work out well uh-huh. um i actually thought it worked brilliant i thought it was the the season for me that i think fit that mark the best was season five because of the fact that it was like the first that time was, that was, that was ever, a riot right yeah and they t- it took place in three days over 13 episodes oh wow they never, yeah, yeah a lot done happened and so <laughs> it was like that kind of you had to binge that yeah, for it all to really clock that this takes place in three days. Wow. Um, you don't have to binge it, but it, it, if you do binge it, 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 it keeps that immediacy yeah. uh, you know, that you want with that kind of situation. As someone who did binge the hell out of it, uh, Pete, I, I got to tell you, like you felt like the three days were rolling hard and that they were running out of time rapidly. Like, I've never watched a show that felt like 13 hours was so short. Wow. <laughs> you know, wow, like, yeah. You know, like, things were fever, were moving at a fever pitch page because you end up, like, everybody I've talked to about the show who watches it, come to, like, they get their favorites, the people they root for. Because yeah. everyone's losing in this show. Everyone's <laughs> losing so bad Point in this that. show. So you're, you're rooting for who could be the biggest winner out of a lot of people who life is just beating the shit out of because yeah. they're all they're all prisoners and the ones who aren't prisoners have their own issues like he plays a co uh, a correction officer and he's got some issues <laughs> yeah like, like actually i'd love to i'd love to talk about that what's uh what tell us tell, what are some of the, your favorite things about playing that character specifically like what what do you get to do with that character that's maybe different from yourself 
Oh, uh, that's that's an awesome question. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> like, it was a lot of fun to find. First of all, get the character, get the the the, the role, and to start understanding what what they provide you. Kind of in the audition process, even is just a little. You know, it's called a breakdown. They give you a little a little blurb about what they're kind of seeing this character to be. And what's funny is that when I read the breakdown for the character, I was like, "Oh, I this is close to who I am." You know, oh, shit. It was, it was, uh, you know the, the idea was that it was just a guy that it's a, a fellow that served uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq, and you know was never the one to to be pushing to go out. He was more the guy that wants to stock the soda cans, but like also <laughs> not because he doesn't have the ability or the or the want. He just doesn't really have a, a good sense of like where the next step should take him. Right. He's constantly kind of stuck in this like well, I'm just gonna kind of go with the program and see where it takes me. And uh, at the time when I got my audition for the role, it wasn't that far off from. You know what I was doing as an actor it was like I, I have no idea what's coming next, and and I'm just going to kind of roll with this. And and at the same time, I was just like trying to be a little more mellow about things. So it's just very funny. But then, there was some character through, changes. Yeah, as then as it continues on, and they keep writing um, for the character and give you these different things. You know, I start to learn um, that my past is pretty checkered. Oh wow! With some with some stuff, and like you learn about the, you know that I was suffering from PTSD, and 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 that I have opinions. Um, that this is where it started to really yeah. Uh, spoiler alert! I bulge away from who I am. Um, was that you know he comes from a, a, a working class Memphis, Tennessee, and and you know again they they have their their opinions and their their focuses on on what they were doing when they were growing up so i'm trying not to give too much away because i want people to, to <laughs> enjoy like watching that happen but what's cool is that as it continues on you know i along with the viewers get to learn some more about this person as we go along and to see one of my favorite things about this character is that I don't think inherently he's a bad person. Mm -hmm. I just think that he's been kind of set up in his life to not, he doesn't have all the information available to him to make the decisions of what's right and what's wrong or what's, what's good and bad. And there's, I mean, there's a very intense uh, scene in season four in which I divulge some information that's, that's really, you know, to the to the person watching for the first time and hearing for the first time, it's awful. Um, but you do, you know, I, I do some work on it and some thinking on it, and like just understanding where these guys come from and what they see when they're when they're serving in hostile territories and things happening to people that they care about, and you start to kind of lose some of that idea of what humanity maybe really oh, is. Wow, you know wow. what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah, happens. no, I do. Um, so anyway, he, he I just find that he's just a person that's still at, at his age still learning and trying to see the world differently. And that's what's cool about season six is I, I think uh, Dixon was given some opportunities to kind of wake up to some stuff and he does it in his own way and it's <laughs> you know, it's, it's like I'm not I would never, I would never say the things that he says. Uh, but I also see that he he's trying. You know, that's cool. That's cool. And then man. one day, you know, somebody will say, "Hey, just a heads up, man. That's a that's a cool thing that you were saying. What you were saying in terms of the intention. Well, you just have to work on your language so that it doesn't come off as like you know, you know, he just hasn't really yet learned. Right, he's a little rough around the edges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, like I think the best way to put it sometimes, like Pete, like. This was another thing I was telling you, Mike. The, the characters are multi-layered. Like, they're, they're people. Like, if on one side, 
if you hung out with them on this side of the tracks, you'd never like them. If you hung out with them on the other side of the tracks, you could see yourself hanging out with them on a regular basis because you never see the other side of them. And that goes for a lot of the characters there. And um, there's a lot of little messages in the show, but the thing is, is the show is smart. It puts the medicine in the food, you know, so it's so you're not choking down the messages. So, and it doesn't, it relates how these characters are real people because like when you come from certain backgrounds, you live in your own little bubble. You're exposed to certain things and you see things a certain way and you don't have anything telling you any any different. You know? So like 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 yeah, like you said like, he's a he like comment on that too cuz I mean the whole premise of this show this show is about the women in 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 the in the prison system. And what's Sucks. brilliant about it is that in that nuance that Michael's referring to the the two sides, it's to let us understand that like there are stories behind every one of these people and how they ended up in these situations and what we I think as a society don't do specifically in the penal system is is understand that like just because someone is found guilty of something that puts them in this situation, you don't know their story. You don't know right. what happened. You just know the event happened and that that event was looked on as this. But then, especially, the, you know, it starts out in, 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 we start out in minimum security prison, which is a lot of, like, it's a lot of, like, minor crime, you know, whether it's it's petty theft or or larceny like things that aren't great but at the same time when you learn their stories you start to understand that like you have to kind of look inside yourself and, and understand yeah. nobody's yeah. perfect at all and we have no idea how that person got to where they were until we start to understand where they came from and that's what wow. Mike is, is referring to I think as well yeah. but what's great is that because it sets it up so brilliantly with the women um, and it's their stories you know, it gives all of us as characters opportunity to to see that as well. Now, being said, it is harder, I think, uh, to look at the guards. It's funny because it kind of flips the script on it. Yeah. Because, yeah, the guards come from backstory, too, and we have yeah. the reason we got where we got. But it's a lot easier to not like us because it's how, <laughs> it's how the dynamic, the power dynamic is shifted. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, you got to where you got by doing what you did, but now look at how you're using that to move forward. Whereas these these women, how they're using it to move forward, it's very different, and it's wow, like yeah. it's really the criminal. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's well, that's, there's a lot of like a lot of like subtle. Uh, I don't know how to, to phrase it, but like there's a lot of subtlety to the to the work of all these these characters that I, that's why I think it's like one of the most brilliant shows. Yeah. Like the, the first season you got to see the setup where they had the guards that were properly trained and stuff like that. There was like one or two fuck ups among them, but they were good at their job. They were just, they were just horrible or questionable people. Yeah. And then when he comes in, he's coming in where the guards, they're just ex military guys. Just eh, go in there and be, Correction officers. We have absolutely no training in this. Like this. Oh is not, wow! This yeah. is really they posted like it, the way we. I think I thought of it is they. This was in the classifieds, man. <laughs> and they were like, "Well, we'll hire a bunch of ex-military because the other." Well, they I, give incentives. Yeah, they give well, incentives. Well, and they, you know, this is this the season I came in, season four, um, was a comment to some degree on what we see in this country in terms of privatizing prisons. Yeah, um, from state to private, and and just how awful. Like it was bad then. It was bad when it was under state. It's worse when it's privatized because oh, all wow, the, yeah, a lot worse. Yeah, everything's incentivized, and prisoners become commodity, and it's oh just my God, wow, and it's so messed up. So that's yeah, because the job is to keep them in jail. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's no real. Whereas at least when there was state prisons you know when they still have you know there's a training program there's there's you you have to qualify you have to go through background checks you have to do these things to work in that system whereas in privatized prisons there's 
there's really you don't have that kind of unless unless people keep it to the forefront and challenge them about it. But yes. yeah, but that's not gonna happen. So it attracts it attracts bullies and people that want to abuse power, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, that, yeah. That, exactly. That's why I think when we came in in season four, the dynamic changed pretty drastically from what we saw in the guards from one to three to what happens from four moving forward because you you attract a very different group of people that want to get involved and yeah. what, like why do they want to go work in a system like that what's, right. what's the draw you know and, and right. prediction it was well it's free housing yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, food and and you know a paycheck that that you know and like a little bit of direction probably too right like yeah, yeah. It's like Oh, okay, but like I can also then have some authority that I didn't have mm. in the military. You know, I could get some respect that I didn't have before. But overall, it is a, it's a pretty it's a pretty scary shift. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like I, I really think you should check out the show, Pete. <laughs> oh, I absolutely <laughs> will. I absolutely will. What I love I love what you said, man, about um, you know, taking on a character like that who you wouldn't necessarily agree with you know, on the outside maybe, but once you understand what's really going on, and that's a really kind of a cool way to, to look at people in the real world, right? Like, exactly what you said, you don't know people's story, you don't know why they got the way they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's difficult. I mean, we, we're dealing with it now, and, and um, it's sometimes it's hard to, to take a minute and, and really be curious about why a person is the way they are, mm-hmm. you know, and and eventually you get to a point you go okay I get that but are, is is the person willing to ask themselves that question too? Yeah, That's exactly. Kind of like, are you willing to go? All right, why am I the way? Or why why do I get the response I get to the, my actions? <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> what is it about my behavior that does that? But at the same time, as an observer, it's like I think it's important that we try to ask those questions. But you know, it's, I'm not saying everyone is is clean of of all failure like look you know again you got to own your part of my life yeah. own your no, shit we curse yeah. here don't worry about Absol- it no absolutely you're right <laughs> you know I, I can look at you and, and and go okay where did you come from oh maybe that's why this is happening um and, but if i ask you a question about it uh if your first response is to get in my face and and tell me to go fuck myself it's like okay then you're not I don't know if you're really open to the idea that maybe there's something like at the same time I'm I'm very willing to go well here's where my flaws are here's where I've screwed up in life here's where I've learned some lessons you know mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's important and I mean we're as actors like we're given this gift that our whole idea our whole premise the whole thing we do is observe wow. behavior and to mirror what we see and give it reason. Right, right. Yeah, grounded in something. Yeah, and, and again, that's why I think whenever you see actors play characters that, especially like real-life people that were untoward or terrible, it's interesting sometimes the approach that, that you see them take is like, well, were they born that way or was it learned through experience and what does that do to you and how do you find your way into that? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's deep. I um, this is another. I don't know if this is interesting, but I saw recently um, Vincent D'Onofrio was tweeting about he's got a role that he's considering taking, that he has to play like a really bad, irredeemable, racist character, and so he took to Twitter to kind of ask his fans like, is this the wrong time to take on a character like that? And it got me thinking globally about the idea of kind of to, to your point of playing characters that maybe from one perspective perspective would be bad characters, but they're necessary for a couple of reasons. They're necessary for yes. the larger story you're telling, yes. but also, from your point, you're you're showing that there's some dimension there, and maybe this character. They're, they're, I don't know. I, what do you? How do you feel about? Well, I think. I mean, yeah. In the in the the era we're in right now, it's that's a tough that's a tough move. But I think if you're playing it honestly, I think if you're being honest about who this person is and being as truthful as you possibly can be, then that's up to the rest of the people. What you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, how do they see that? And, yeah. and if you're being truthful, one, 
you know, I, I, I don't know Vincent. Um, I know that I love watching him as an actor. I, I, I think he's incredibly compelling. Um, so I would absolutely encourage it because I know he's going to give the same respect to what he does for all his other work. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I say. You know, like, for instance, uh, you know, I haven't yet seen Black Klansman, but what I've heard about, for instance, Topher Grace plays David Duke. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Now, we know David Duke in the regular sphere, and and I I can't buy into his bullshit no matter where I see him coming from. Because but now, he doesn't see it as bullshit. He doesn't see right. himself as a racist per se. He sees himself as labeled as one. He uses it as a as a power, like it's a power dynamic. So I'm like, then you've you're gone to me. But Tover plays that, and that's you know, that's a that's an actor mirroring yeah what the, who this person is now. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't think it's it's it shouldn't be dangerous for an actor to take on a role like that. I agree. I think it's more of a if you if you are trying to give that character humanity or show some sort of it's like okay but but again if you play it truthfully we're going to discern one way or the other you're absolutely right if that's there you know yeah. uh, um playing those characters is such a a fascinating well okay fascinating is a weird word because I don't want to give any credit to like that Type of thinking, but it's still fascinating. I, well, I agree. It's it's interest. It's interesting because yeah. when you play those characters and you see those characters, um, especially when they're played well and, and truthful. Yes. You know, some most of the time I come out feeling sorry. Yeah. For that character, because yeah, you should. It's it's like whatever got you to that place is is to me tragic. Yeah, um, but if you try to play it as a character, if you try to play it as a stereotype, then all you're going to end up doing is is just hating that person. Yeah, exactly. And you're not learning anything from that experience either. But like, I, one of the ones that always comes out to me is is Ed Norton Jr. in, in American History X. Oh so, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that was, was brutal and crushing. And Michael Rappaport and uh, in um, was it Higher Learning? You no, know, was it Higher Learning? See the shooter in that? Does he play the? Yeah, he plays the white. Yeah, guy. and he's the kid that like, you know, they show him coming to school and he just can't find his his group of friends and and he's already kind of dealing with identity crises and then yeah, he gets swept up in these supremacists. And again, by the way, which is always fascinating, it's always the older men. You know, these guys are in their like thirties and forties, and they're out. Literally recruiting kids That's who crazy, are yeah. who are formidable, Lord lost, yeah, and not formidable. Um, who are you know malleable and then yeah, exactly. Don't know where they identify. Mm. Well, they don't have a father figure, and the guy swoops in and acts as one. They're generally lost. I can't go too much into it, but you know, I auditioned for a project not too long ago uh, that'll be coming out, and I can't wait to see this thing because it's based on a true story. And it deals with a supremacy movement in which it's just mind-blowing how much influence and power the older men use to recruit younger men. Wow. And you're like, these younger men don't have a chance because no. they're... They, they they get swept up in the, the idea of father figure, but then that father figure ends up beating the shit out of them and berating them like... So now they're, they're fearful and they can't... Yeah. Right. It's like, we're, we're if, if that continues to exist, then we, we don't get to show love to these kids when they're feeling isolated, when they're younger. That's, I think, where the key is. Is like, we got that... Anyway, well, this is getting pretty deep, but... No, but you're right, man. You hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head. You've got to... There needs to be a counteract of love to fight that. But how do you, how do you, yeah, that's, oof, you're right. Compassion is very underrated, man. It goes into local levels and your schools and, and, and stuff like that. And I think, um, that being said, to your question about, you know, D'Onofrio asking about whether it's dangerous or not or whether it should be or not, I'm like, yeah, man, if, if you're going to, if it's true. Right. The other thing, too, is like, is it a story that's trying to give 
credence to the supremacists, I, then I would, I would have a tough time with that. Yeah, I think you're right, though. That's different. But it's interesting because when, what you're talking about, basically, as an actor, is you cannot come into a role with an agenda. You can't come into a role... You have, you have to play it honestly to the character. I think you're right about that. I think we as an audience can sniff that out. So I, so Chris, I always think of the, Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards as a perfect example. He's like a bastard of a, of a person, right? And we see this. We see this very clearly. And he's charming and he's got all this stuff. And um, most of that is because Christoph Waltz is so charming. He brings that. But he's played so beautifully and so dimensionally. And, you, and you, you're right there with him even though he's an awful human, Right? But we need that character, one for the story, for the full arc. We, you know, you can't have the good if you don't have. But also, like, yeah, to your point, like, the, the, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's dangerous to take on those roles. Certainly, if you don't come at at those roles with an agenda, if you're playing them honestly, and and you know, yeah. Well, there Michael, is what one. Do you think? Yeah. There well, is one point to this. Um, you anybody ever seen the movie Fury? Uh, no. I wanted to. No, I didn't. All right. Now, Fury, it's uh, it's about the, the guys in the military, the, the tank pilots, the, yeah. the, the tank team. Now, I know a lot of military people, and there's we have this view of military soldiers where, you know, our movies paint them a certain way. Now, I love my armed forces, guys, but war is not nice. It does not make you into a nice person. In war no matter where you are, you generally, especially especially the heart of the war, the heart of the people. Now, this isn't the case. There are outliers because when you're speaking in generalities, there are always outliers. But it makes for hard and mean people who find different ways to cope with the insanity of what they're doing. And they've done cruel things. Soldiers have done cruel things. Now, Fury focuses in on that because... That entire tank team, people were like, oh, they're irredeemable characters that you can't like. No, they are real soldiers in a war. Now, they're not evil, but they're not nice. They're mean, they're cruel, they're abusive to others and the ones who are weak among them to strengthen them up because they come from the mentality, if you're weak, I die. You know what I'm saying? So we have this view of certain certain things in certain genres because movies movies and TV have shaped our views in things we don't know about. Yeah. So that's the other side of it. Like it it'll be safe it, it it's safe to play characters that the world kind of has a gist of. You know, yeah. like playing David Duke is a little safer than playing the realistic soldier during um, 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 the, 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 the Gulf War. You know what I'm saying? Because right. that was insane. Because during the Gulf War, you have a bunch of bored troops who are motivated with a, an engine of, like, we're going to gun-ho war. Like Jarhead put it best, showed it best. Yeah, there's know? a good show on HBO, too, called Generation Kill, which yeah. was a limited series. And, and I, I, would, I would absolutely speak to that show and, and recommend it that what was brilliant about it is it was it was trying to show that like you know you, you can have opinions all you want about what goes on but until you see it yeah to people and start to ask yourself the question what would I do yeah if something like that happened yeah how would I react you know that's that's why it's important for truthful storytelling from absolutely and not just how i would react but realistically thinking well, to yeah, yourself how i would react have a good director and 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 you know a person that and writers that, that yeah, the whole team get to the gist of that i think you know it's a great point michael when you bring up fury um you know as a fact uh brad hanky who plays piscatella on orange the new black he's yeah he's in yet and so, you know, even stories he was telling me about what they had to do to get ready for that film uh, was incredibly intense in terms oh, of the wow. training, in terms of the the testosterone level of the guys that would be there every day on set. You know, it, what you see on screen kind of existed off screen too. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> because that's they were so up in it and so caught up in that 
that idea of who these guys are and to be truthful now you know some of them can step back and, and take a little bit of a breather but, but that, that, does that, that requires know. a mental visual umbrella to be able to see where you're at and step back that's not yeah. something everybody has no and, and some people you know some people's training pushes them into a, a way of like not leaving you know yeah, you stay the method it. kind of style to, yeah you yeah. stay in it and you know as long as you're in it now it's interesting because um as far as i know like vincent d'onofrio is a, is method oh so maybe that's why he was concerned about this may, it could be i mean i know for as an actor if, if i'm if i'm doing the method i that would be tough for me because you've got to go in yeah yeah and then you start to question things about yourself right yeah and, and i mean Here's the thing, man. It starts to make you also understand that we're all human. We all have the same brain. We all have the same brain. It's where you point. access it and what you want to access from it. Are you able to, you know, that's, it's, it's so crazy. That's a really good point. That's a really good point that we're all made up of the same stuff and it's a matter of whether you choose to be, uh, you know what? You choose to go in that direction with it. Yeah. And if your character does, and you're doing it and you're going, <laughs> you know. I just would hope that you have a support system in place that's like to pull you back out, ready to. Oh well, no, the method's scary to me. You're not a bad person. Yes, <laughs> you explored a, a side of yourself that is ter- like that is bad. That's scary. Just it, you know, one of the things I think we we as people need to always try to understand is like it's in us, so we have to at least acknowledge and accept that. Yeah. Don't deny it. Accept it. But also embrace the fact that you, you know you're making the decision not to to go there. That actually makes it stronger, right? In some ways, because that means good isn't a thing that you just are. Good is a choice. Good is something that you. And Michael and I talk about Marvel films quite often. Yeah. And we talk about the like the the what's what all these different um, superhero stories, and you know you can speak to this, Michael. Like I think what's interesting is he's always pointed out like. The good ones are the ones where we see that these are flawed people. That's why Watchmen is such an amazing graphic novel in story because these are superheroes with terrible things in their past and things that are terrible. But at the same time, they also do these other things and they have these powers that like can Mm -hmm. save humanity. I mean, that to me is the greatest philosophical exploration ever. Is like if you had superman powers but you were also a sociopath who oh my god yeah enjoyed you know that's a comic it's called irredeemable that's a comic yeah that's a comic it's called irredeemable and it's a superman like character who was a hero the plutonian is i think his name was yeah and he goes bad but it was always in him and it was just one day he made a choice this is why there's no there's never a point to make a comic about Superman going bad because there's always an analog for it. Right. You know, you never have to do that. And um, I think that's why people gravitated to Marvel Comics in the 60s because all the heroes in the other comics, DC, were like, they were being good because good was the good, right thing to do. Right. Um, and that was just it for them. Meanwhile, Marvel started making these characters that were horribly flawed people. Yeah, they had depth. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, we could we could relate to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stark. I mean, th- oh, that's Tony the thing. Stark. We see Marvel, right? What we see is their characters find their redemption. Yeah. In like they make up for that those flaws by trying to do other things, and sometimes, and I think they do a pretty good job in the films of showing that they're still flawed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Characters first, costume yeah. second. Hey, if if you had to, if if they rebooted the entire MCU, right? They rebooted the whole thing, and you got a chance to play any character you wanted. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I could get you in shape for that, man. <laughs> you know what? Well, thank you. Yeah, we, <laughs> the first thing is I'd have to uh, get a trainer. I'd might, have to start uh, cooking for you. Yeah, I mean, don't don't even worry about that. I mean, look at. Look at Chris Pratt, you know, look at his transformation. Yeah, totally. Um, 
But he was like one sandwich away from like that's what they. <laughs> I think that's the funniest that. line ever. I mean, I, I always think the Hulk. Oh yeah. Um, only because unbridled. You know, style. it's interesting as a kid. Like one of the thing, and this is just full disclosure. Like you know, growing up, I'm a I'm a bigger guy, and like I've always had strength. And one of the things I've always been afraid of is when I get angry. Yeah. You know, when you because we all feel rage, like you know. Yeah. And I've I've always found the Hulk to be a fascinating character, and I think what an amazing way to explore rage and what it can do um, if it's not not monitored, but if it's not kind of kept in check. Yeah. Yeah. Um. In the struggle you have with that, because like I just think it's such a brilliant. No, yeah. that's fascinating. I know Banner, you know Bruce Banner, who's a scientist and, and who's well thought out, but he's also a human and and probably has and obviously has rage issues. And yeah. so yeah, his, if you ever his, read his comic, yeah, he has a lot of like personal social issues. Right, and like, so <laughs> in order, I would think that that would be a character that I would really, I would find engaging. Because it would allow me to explore some of the stuff that I had growing up, as to what got me into those rages, you know, <laughs> why, you know, because then that's another question is like, where does that rage come from? Mm. You know. Anyway, I just I think he's a fascinating character. Yeah, I agree. And then in the universe, in that universe, I think that would be the one that I would be most suited to to kind of dig into. Um, that's, that's wild. You know who fits that better though? You know who fits that better, Pete? Um, because he has the rage issues, he has the problem, he's always dealt with it his whole life. But unlike the Hulk and Banner, who over time become two separate people, Ben Grimm, the thing of the Fantastic Four, oh yeah, has dealt with all the issues of being the Hulk without it becoming two separate people. Because Hulk is more Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Right. Whereas the thing is, yeah, he's 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 this. Like that's yeah. what he, is. he became. What he was yeah. on the inside emotionally. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, no, but I love that. Whether yeah, either character, I love that idea of uh, as a person who has power and is afraid that if you lost it one day, you could hurt somebody you love or you could cause some damage, and so you're constantly like reining it in. But then there are times when you need to just only. I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a fascinating take, Mike. Mike. So I think it's so brilliant the way that they do the Hulk that it's like. Yeah, he he will hurt you, and so he has essentially become a different person. I mean, look, that's to your point, Michael. It's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Like that's still Bruce Banner. It is seeing yeah. the the uh, the analogy. Like we're seeing it as an analogy. Like he becomes this big green monster, but really, if we saw this guy in in society, it would literally still be Bruce Banner. It but, is just like mad in the line of the bank, <laughs> like punching things, but like. <laughs> yeah. Somehow the government like convinces him like just punch the bad guys. Yeah, only punch those <laughs> ones. We need you to rage out in that direction. Like put that anger there, and you're yeah. like, is that the only way to help this guy? Is like, wow. to... it's the worst way. Yeah, it is the absolute it's worst like, no, way. We're not gonna we're not gonna address your anger because <laughs> we're just gonna use it. Use it. Yeah, let me tell you, Mike. That's why Marvel. That's that's kind of what Orange the New Black has done with your character, though, right? <laughs> well, they certainly, yeah, they certainly said, "Oh, interesting. Let's put these guys in this place and see what they do with that kind of that power and that dynamic." <laughs> use, and use it to our the writers. The writers did such a great job of of honoring that, and like, I mean, they went far with it. You know, they that's it, cool. They went far with it. Mm. Yeah, uh, I was mentioning to Pete some of the other things you've done before, like uh, uh, like you were in Jessica Jones. You got to meet David Tennant. I did, man. <laughs> yeah. He made you put your head in a what, what was that scene? <laughs> yeah, like slam my head into the into the beam. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was actually that's one of my favorite scenes I've ever done. Really? Yeah. Yeah, man. Just because one, it was exciting to be given an opportunity to work in Marvel somehow. Uh, two. The way it was shot was so cool. Uh, I just loved how the, the the sinister vibe of the the poker room that we're in and downstairs and somewhere. I don't know how I ended up constantly in a in back room poker game. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what does that say about you? <laughs> well, I worked in that world. Um, 
But yeah, you know, and because David Tennant, man, one, he's an amazing person, but he he kind of leveled me on what it is to be a good and prepared actor when you show up to work. Like, you know, I used to have this habit of, uh, you know, if it wasn't a ton of material, and I have a, you know, my, my memory recall is pretty good, so I would kind of put off memorizing and working on my stuff until right before, and, and I could get it in, and, and, and I felt like I could give the performance what I, what I wanted. Man, I showed up with him, and, and even just during rehearsal, you know, I had my sides out with me just to make sure he didn't have his sides. And not only did he not have his sides, he he had choices for days. Like, oh wow, did one rehearsal, and he came out with this thing, and then we did another rehearsal, and it was a totally different vibe, and I was like, oh, man, he, this guy just, I just literally took a class. Wow. <laughs> wow. Preparation. Uh, and so that was cool. That was, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. Holy crap. That's amazing. It's amazing to have worked with the, the, the breadth of people that you've worked with and see the difference in that kind of stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I will say at the end of the day, though, uh, all the, the power of all the, the amazing people that I've had the opportunity to, to be with. One thing is, man, their preparation. Like they're they're in it. They they they're ready to go. They show up on time. Um, they have the work done, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where I'm always honored to be able to say, like, I got to work with all this breadth of, of amazing talent, and that all of them uh, always have their A game. I remember when I was working on Sneaky Pete um, with Carolina Widra, and I remember watching her and Giovanni do this scene and you know they rehearsed this scene quite often and you know what they were doing with it was so fascinating in terms of really getting to the core of what the scene was about and then to see it once it was released to see the the final product and just just so in awe of like how amazing these these actors are Wow! Again, it being prepared and being ready to go. You know, you if you if you show up with someone who's not really ready, or you I mean you can get a serviceable thing, like you you can have a moment, like it's going to exist. But to see what you can really have at the end of the day, if wow. you're ready to go, and like you can go in all different directions and over and over and over to finally get to this place, going okay, let's shoot that right now because that's where it's at. Wow! Yeah. Mm. Jeez. So. Dude, <laughs> dude, it was it was great having you, man. Thank you very much, man. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And I, this is a great conversation. And Pete, thanks for your questions. Were awesome. Like, oh, thanks, man. I like to to, you know, dig into kind of the the what's and the whys of of why we like, especially as actors, like why we do what we do, because a lot of people, you know, you see, especially now, like. The one thing I hate to hear over and over is Hollywood elites or elites. <laughs> like, one thing I will be clear about to anybody that watches or, or listens, uh, every single person that's that's made a mark in this business has been doing it forever. It did not come overnight. Uh, it's been hard work. Most of us don't come from either coast, uh, or a lot of us don't. And, you know... Be able, being able to speak to what it really is that we want to do with it is is always I love doing that. So thank you for those questions because it, it, it gave me a chance to talk to to speak to something that I think can sometimes be looked at as like what celebrity is compared to like what we're doing. Yeah, the craft. Yeah. Yeah, and the craft really is as much as people might want to think that it's not. It's it's always there. It's always why we do it. The best ones, everybody you watch out there that you love, are guaranteed that they love the craft. And, and, and on top of that, they've been doing it a lot longer than you think they've been doing it. Yeah. Wow. wow. Elite. <laughs> well, this would be cool. It would definitely be cool to do a follow-up to this, man, because I think uh, – I, 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 yeah, I know that that doesn't – Mike, maybe it's a different thing, Michael. You know, like maybe yeah, no, 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 branded differently. Be great, but I love, I love really digging into this kind of stuff. 
I love it. Well, you know this, Mike. I can run my mouth. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I was like, well, Michael and I can do this forever. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. add you into the fray. And it's like, great, let's let's really get into the world's problems. Let's really, yes. get into, you know, let's solve them on every one of these, you know. But no, yeah. I, 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 I love, I think it's important. I think discourse is important. I think talking is important. I mean, talking for the sake of hearing your voice, not so important. Right. Yeah. But to Compassion. Get, yeah, to get some core stuff, yeah compassion i think a lot of people overlook that no matter what you say no matter what you do the most important thing in discourse is compassion yeah the ability to see outside of yourself and see what steps they've walked to come to meet you in this conversation people overlook that often and it has been personally for me it is the hallmark and keystone and pillar of my belief system since I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right and um, I, I find it is the only winner in anything. It takes longer. Compassion is like water. It it, it will get through. It will break through. Water always <laughs> breaks through. Yeah. But it will take its time. <laughs> take yeah, its that's time. a great that's a great analogy, man. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, right on, guys. Thank you again for the time. I really had a great time. It was right great on. having you over, man. And maybe we'll do this again after Pete's seen the show or after you hey, guys have wrapped. Good... <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's talk uh, when I finish season seven. And, and you know, I can I cannot tell you anything about it, but I can tell you. <laughs> but we could spoil seasons one through six. For anybody that's watching, listening, like, can I, I'm going to throw out my Twitter handle in case anyone wants to reach out. It's Mike Houston 2. Uh, at Twitter, I couldn't get Mike Houston because apparently my name's not as unique as I wanted it to be. You know, football's <laughs> a thing. Football's I, I have that thing. problem too. I have a football guy that uh, ranks higher than me too. We should. You also have a football. music guy that's competing exactly. with you every week. That. Yeah, so that. Mike Houston too, and then the big fella on Instagram. Oh, nice, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> All, right. All right, I just I'm following you in both those places. Yeah, yeah. I'll follow you back. So okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. All right, and uh, Pete, it was great having you here. Joining Thank me with, with, with Mike here to wrap this up. See ya. Later, I will see you later. Bye bye. Later, I will see you later. Bye bye. See y'all later.